0: Welcome to another episode of the JR Watkins Podcast. I am your host, JR Watkins, and if you are yet to get a copy of any of my books, JR's Hope or Coloring Culture, please visit Amazon or BarnesandNobles.com right now to get your copies. Get ten copies. Holidays are coming up; people are taking vacations. Bring Coloring Culture or JR's Hope with you. Just type in JR's Hope. Thoughts on Improving from Up the Street, or Coloring Culture, a Kaleidoscopic Anthology of Essays, and Amazon or Barnes & Overs will send those books right over to you. This week, I have a special guest. Uh, He's going to be joining me in about five minutes, so stay with me, and I'll take a short break, and when I'm back, I will be having my special guest so as i said earlier i have a special guest and it's no other than jeremiah knight jeremy he's a, he, he, i called him jeremy for like
1: months now <laughs> but i let him introduce himself what's up what's up what's up this is jeremiah knight uh i am the council for public affairs u.s embassy uh here in kingston
0: in kingston and how has that been for you
1: it has been completely uh, busy. Um, our embassy is involved in a lot of areas, as you know, the, um, and public affairs is a big component of what we do. So like, it's not good just to do things, but also it's good to inform the public of what you're doing. And my office is very important because we're the outreach part of the embassy. So we get to engage with the public, and there's a lot of public in Jamaica, so therefore it's quite busy.
0: <laughs> we'll soon come back to exactly what you do, but let's take, take us back to... When you were born Like
1: where were you from Way back in the day no. <laughs> uh, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut Which by chance In the USA Yeah in the USA Yeah um, It actually has the second largest population of Jamaicans in America Really? Um, yeah it does More yeah. than Miami Yes New York New York's number one <laughs> And Connecticut is number two and, and number, Connecticut is number two <laughs>
0: I didn't know that. I
1: didn't know that. I'm yeah, actually, so somebody well. came up to me last night, and was actually brought up to me. Did you know that your your city? I was like, yes, I do that. <laughs> Everywhere you go, there's a about uh, Jamaican I, bakery on every corner. So there's,
0: you were you were like charting a course to come to Jamaica from birth.
1: <laughs> actually, you know what? I tried to avoid coming from Jamaica going to Jamaica, that was one of the because partly because I have family from here, and I used to come here as a, you know, a child, I was like, well, when I joined this job, I don't necessarily want to come to Jamaica, I want to go learn about other countries, but, um, you know, your, your life has a way of just bringing you to where you need to be. So you grew up with the, the island vibe around you? Of more than
0: enough. <laughs> right. Where are your parents from?
1: Well, my, both my parents were born in the U.S., but my father's side has family. Um, his, my is from Clarendon, um, Frankfield, out in the countryside. But really? I used to come up to Stony Hill quite a bit when I, um, when I, for Christmas. My very first trip here was when I was 11. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So you went to school in Connecticut? I went to, yeah, I went to, I was, I was, I was raised, I was born in the capital, which is Hartford. Um, then I moved to a suburb called Bloomfield when I was about 12. I'm the youngest of four boys. Um, and then I, yeah, I did my, I graduated from high school, a small school, and my graduating class was like 100 students, really small. Um, and then after that, I decided I was sick of the northern uh, environment, and I wanted to go south, so I went to Atlanta. Oh, so you you, you moved from the... Jamaica to Jamaica <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's luck, and it's funny because like in Atlanta it was both so both my American family and my Jamaican family lived in Atlanta, so like on the weekends I would have to divide up you know hanging out with both sides on the weekends when I was, was it rough growing up uh, in what sense I don't know like what, what were the challenges you went through growing up as a kid? Rough growing up. Well, it's rough being the youngest boy of three boys, four boys, four boys in the house. So yeah, you always have to defend yourself against your older brothers. Um, rough growing up,
0: community-wise, were there
1: temptations for gangs? For of course. I mean, like I mean, in high school and the likes. You know, actually, I was asked to join the gang when I was in high school. Which gang? Uh, Which gang? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's one that's non-existent right now. Oh, to took them them all. Them all. <laughs> but no, I mean, they they're all oh, there's. All the issues that you know youth face, and no matter where you live, whether it 's Jamaica or the u s that you know, I face but i mean i 'm very fortunate I, my mom was an educator you know, and my, and my dad was he 's a civil engineer, so yeah, they were really forcing their kids to you know, do good in school and, 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 and go to higher education it wasn 't a choice. My mom actually dragged my oldest brother to university, so yeah, um, there was expectation that that 's what you would do And what did you study in school um, I originally wanted to go to school to be a chef. So I love cooking. Oh, that's why you could. Yes. Oh. Uh, so no, I took cooking sense. classes in uni- um, high school, and I applied to Johnson & uh, Johnson and Wells, which is like the number one cooking school in, in the U.S. and Rhode Island. One of the best. Sorry, I don't know if other people with <laughs> the other ones. I got accepted and everything. And then, but I, uh, my mom was like, I know you love doing that, but um, why don't you do something that may... You could do cooking later on, but have a degree that would be a little bit more... Because
0: you didn't think culinary arts is going to make any money.
1: Partly because my brother is an artist and he went to school for um, you know, visual arts. He was a painter. And so like, they were like, we have one in the family, so that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and plus, ever since I was five, my mom told me what university I was going to go to. And so I had really no choice. And then Morehouse College didn't have culinary arts, so I had to go to... Morehouse. Do you regret... I never regret Now that I look back on it I love cooking as a passion of mine But I don't think I would want to be Managing a kitchen Every single day As a career Because you don't think You'd make it to top chef Uh, No, no I got some skills My friend Not that (laughs) It's just that For me cooking Is extremely intimate And personal So like I don't I don't Enjoy cooking for masses Just to cook for masses To make money off of it I do what I do Because mm-hmm. I really care about The people I'm cooking for And with And I want to share Experience with them So that whole aspect Of doing it as a business I don't think actually Would sit well with me
0: So then After you left college You, you did your your. So I
1: did three years At Morehouse And then I went away And studied in London For about a year Almost a year Where I did International marketing And then I came back uh, I wound up Getting an apprenticeship With British Petroleum Doing and marketing, uh, and then I, uh, I went, I went, came back, and then I went to the University of Maryland, where I did a master's in um, international affairs and public policy.
0: Mm. And then that naturally matriculated into.
1: It was, all oh, this was not natural because I never wanted to work in the government. I never wanted to do that. I wanted to work in the private sector doing the marketing. Um, what happened was I had a diplomat. so in some schools and uni- universities in the US, they have what we call diplomat in residence. So the State Department sends their diplomats basically to, just like the Army and the military sends people to do recruiting for them, they send um, diplomats to do recruiting for, for at, at universities. Um, and to help make the, the state department, the diplomacy more diverse and stuff like that. So they look out to like, you know, historically black universities. They look uh, at like, you know, some of the Native American um, schools. And so they tried to recruit. And so they came to me in the undergrad and they were telling me about, you know, you consider doing marketing, but for the government. And I was like, uh, and they, have, they said, oh, well, there's a scholarship that would pay for your grad school. And I'm like, OK, how many they give out? Ten a year. And I was like, okay, the chance of me getting one of these 10 is very slim. So I went and applied, but I also did apply for the apprenticeship with BP. And while I was in London, I actually got the call, basically, that um, I got the fellowship and I need to go to grad school. And so I left and came back and went to grad school.
0: And then how did you actually get into
1: government? So then part of the, the program was that they would pay for your grad school. You had to do something in international affairs, whatever. But then at the same token, with our, the U.S. Foreign Service, our diplomatic corps, it's about the exam that you take. And so you, if you pass the exam, you enter in. So I took the exam like two or three times. It's statistically harder to pass than the bar. It's really, really extremely difficult. Um, but I passed it after my second or third try, and then I was still in grad school, and so then I got a chance to, after I was done in grad school, right away I, did, I went to Tunisia for an internship with the State Department and came back and joined. Yeah.
0: And that journey has and been, yeah. where, where have you been
1: uh, since? Great. So like I said, Tunisia, then I, I went to Dominican Republic, which was an f- interesting story. So the Dominican Republic was my very first full assignment. Um, And it's funny because I was the president of my um, model UN in high school, right? For about three or four years, about three years. And what was the very first country I represented? Dominican Republic. And so I was in New York and I met the ambassador to the the UN ambassador of the Dominican Republic. And I know I kept the flag that they gave me all those years. And then the funniest thing in the world is then when I apply, because your first assignment is assigned to you, they tell me I'm going to the Dominican Republic. So and it was weird.
0: What what from your your journey? Um, where is your spiritual center? Like from where do you work from? And are you Christian, Muslim, um, Hindu? Spiritual like, center. Where do That's you find that <laughs> to to get through life like you did? Um, <laughs> You know, there must be something driving you to, uh, to keep on doing, doing, doing. It. So yeah, I mean,
1: I read my grandmother was my <laughs> pastor, so like my grandmother was basically one of the first female pastors in the city of Hartford. Um, so I was raised Christian, still am Christian. Uh, I think she gave me a lot of spiritual guidance growing up and helped to keep you very grounded. And so you being either the pastor's kid or the grandkid of a pastor, you don't get away with hardly anything. So the belt might be a (laughs) spiritual sense. Well, the funniest funniest thing is that when people talk about it, my grandmother, out of all her grandkids, I never got. And my grandmother was notorious for popping up, you know, taking that belt out. She never hit me in my life. And never, ever. I've never, ever, ever <laughs> spoken about my grandmother. Uh, but she was a tough pastor. Uh, she was, but she was good. It was weird. like She was an older lady, but she had a lot of young people that went to her church because she really liked to relate to young the youth. And How
0: so. much do you value um, intuition versus education in, in what you were doing? If you weren't educated, as mm. in if you didn't go to these
1: schools, yeah. if
0: you went to any other school, um, do you think that would help? With your
1: journey? I think so. I think I think the most important thing about the whole matriculation and, and, and university is not what you quote unquote learn in this class. I think it's the learning how to interact with people, learning how to accept other ideas and different ways of viewing things, that value of, and especially in the U.S. when you're living on campus and you're inside, you know, all lots of conversation in dorm rooms going until two and three o'clock in the morning. And that's where the real learning, and I think that's the most important thing. I mean, of course, you know, the, the, the classroom education is, is necessary, but your intuition and your ability to be, be exposed and, and, and have other ideas to shape who you are is very important. And so I think that that's the real value of, going to university, as opposed to what's in the books, which, I mean, in certain cases, yes, of course, if you're a doctor, you need to learn how to do certain <laughs> things. <if you're, laughs> I mean, those are important, too, but I think that your life, if your life is only ruled by or guided by what's in books, I think that would be pretty sad.
0: Yeah, that. that's true. Um, so, you out of college, you on your journey as a diplomat. Right. Um, how do you balance... Family
1: life
0: and work life. Do you do you balance it?
1: (laughs) So I think I'm making
0: making user assumptions.
1: (laughs) I think just so all jobs have their pluses and minuses, right? And so people look at my job, you get to travel the world, X, Y, and Z. But like I've over the recent years, recently, I've been thinking about that same exact question because our job, in particular, to be really successful, requires you to do a lot of work and a lot of time on your job, which um, balance work life and and, and personal life actually gets challenged quite a bit. And, you know, sometimes you have to make a decision like what is best. So some of the decisions to work where I've worked or or do what I've done lately recently have been balanced of the fact that, you know, it might not be the best thing for your career wise per se, but not everything is career. And so, like, lately I'm learning, when you're young and you're just starting off, it's all about careers, it's all about doing your best. But I think the older you get, then the more you start working on that balance. And I think that's just part of life.
0: And what's your idea of happiness?
1: Uh, wow, what, um, happiness. I mean, I think my happiness is just being around, more, the older I get, I think it's more about being around people that you love and care about. And that's probably the, one most, that, the most important thing to me.
0: What's your idea of misery?
1: My idea of misery, uh, being all alone, <laughs> that probably is pretty, quite miserable for me.
0: If you could live one place in the world, other than Jamaica where you live now, <clears throat> where
1: would you want to live? That's a hard one, because I get bored pretty easy <laughs> about where I'm living, that's I'm moving around so much. Uh can I, I have to go back to you with that For me way. it's Dubai It's Dubai yeah, yeah. I, I like Dubai It I, was pretty I cool I live there tomorrow morning It's really hot though In the summertime Yes yeah, so, <laughs> um, I come to Jamaica In the summertime I don't I, I would have to really think about it Where I would want to Live permanently That's a hard question To ask a diplomat
0: <laughs> Where would you never Want to live
1: uh, That might be Offending some people <laughs> It
0: might be A place within a place
1: I'm trying to be A diplomatic <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I would live in The Amazon uh, jungle uh, That's Well me. Right now, I'll put like this. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be... So when I moved to Atlanta, I thought Atlanta was where I would want to stay. You're like, I'm out of there. And after living there for three... It's changed. I'll give you people from Atlanta credit. The city has changed a lot over, over the years. But I don't think I would want to live in Atlanta. No.
0: Atlanta is cool. It has a vibe. The houses are nice, but there's nothing else...
1: Uh, um, it didn't grow on me as much as it grew in a lot of my friends. Yeah, my
0: sister lives in Atlanta. Oh, I,
1: I, I, I was just there like two weeks ago. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is, but no. no. She
0: just set up a, a thrift store. So, uh, so she's
1: well-situated. And, and, and what part of Atlanta? In Loganville. A yeah, 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 Country. Yeah, that's what I to say. I couldn't yeah. live there. Well, the thing is that, like, <laughs> Atlanta is funny because if you go about 15 minutes outside... You're of in the city. city no, you're, oh, in the, everything. You're, you're in the country. <laughs> true, you're sure, right sure, in the country. You're right in the country. It just goes from Atlanta to country. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I remember
0: one time seeing... You know, back in the days when you watched Western movies... You'd see people in overall. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm like, Yo, I saw this in a movie one time.
1: And it, has, and it has its benefit. I mean, that's for some people. Some people like that. Uh, yeah. that they're just not necessarily. It's,
0: it's, it's, I agree with you on, on the rural part. Yeah,
1: that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you could choose the way you die, how would you want to die? <laughs> Happy. This is a moral question. Happy. <laughs> ah, nice. Byron Lee said. He would want to die on stage playing the
1: dollar wine. Knows dollar wine. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a wedding. Five cents. Yeah, that's ten. a wedding. That's a wedding song. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, um, um,
0: and if you could choose another job, what would you do? Ah. Uh,
1: see, the thing is that jobs. When I I enjoy what I do, so me. I could tell saying that tell. I would do something else. I, right now, in my life, I can't imagine myself doing a whole lot. More. I mean, I like what I do. Um, no, I mean, maybe... I think probably if I was doing another job, per se, uh, maybe like a small little bed and breakfast somewhere like you know, with a view of the ocean where I'm cooking for like 10 people a day and that's it. Yeah. Cook scallops and yeah. <laughs> some weird Maybe, things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, some, some, yeah. I do something like that. Yeah. That'd probably be... Well,
0: how, how do you go about choosing your recipes? I see you on Instagram yeah. choosing these meals. Yeah. They look nice. I don't even know where these ingredients are sold. <laughs>
1: They're all found in Jamaica. Yo, the point. I know where
0: they sell it's beef, funny. chicken, yeah. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> and rice. onion, rice. <laughs> no, it's the, the point is, I, I believe, I really, sold the book, oh, the plug! The book that I'm working on, I'm calling it Dip in the Kitchen. Um, and so you're writing a book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't hold that
0: information. It's this about is my
1: culinary travel. So I write for a food magazine at this point apart from my job but then also I'm working on a book and so part of it is that that's one of the reasons why I put up the recipe what's the name
0: of the food magazine
1: uh it's called it's a, a Dominican magazine called Manhar which means is in Spanish? Yeah, it's in Spanish. It means delicacy in Spanish. What's the real name? Uh what's the Spanish name? Manjar. Manjar. Mm-hmm. Manhar. Manhar. Mhm. Manhar. Manhar.
0: Manhal. Huh. Yeah,
1: you gotta the you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta rule the R. M. A N J A R When I was in Dubai <laughs> they call
0: me
1: J Gotta gotta rule the Rs, yeah. Tell me about the book. No, it's 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 about my culinary adventures around the world. So I'm, tr- I'm a true believer that food can bring you to places. I mean, food itself, when you have a particular dish, always brings you back to a certain time place, and it brings you back to nostalgia. And It is one of the best ways of diplomacy. Like, people always, like, the first thing they want to do is share their, their culture through their food and the likes to people. So, you know, I've been fortunate where I've traveled a lot, and, like, everywhere I go, I always try to pick up a dish from where I've gone and recreate that dish. And that, so the, the book is not just about recipes because that's pretty boring if you just put the book is about uh, it tells a story about my experience in that country um, where I was when I experienced that particular dish itself, and then how I went about recreating that dish, and my version, or my retake on that particular dish.
0: That's a lovely that. idea.
1: And so it's been breaking down, it's broken down to uh, about, is every well, all the continents I've been to, and I'm so far at about 130 pages, so... Um, You've been to every continent,
0: including Antarctica?
1: Well, no, actually, to are back. So that's the only one I haven't been to, is Antarctica. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I was fortunate. Like, I've lived in Asia for a while, I've lived in Africa, Europe, I lived in South America, here in the Caribbean, North America, and I went to Australia for a bit. Um, But the the book, so like, on Sundays on purpose, uh, on my my feed for Instagram, I pick particular um, places in the world, and I take people on a culinary experience. So I pick, you know, these recipes from different parts of the world and try to expose people to how you can make these dishes, you know, I could just... Definitely, always go back to making my traditional food that you grew up with, and like my, I was lucky because I I grew up around really good cooks. Like my mom is a really good cook. My grandmother's, my grandparents owned two restaurants back home. You know, my uncle in London was a master chef. You know, so I really learned about a lot of cooking, but I like to experiment. So like I would take the basics that they taught me. One of my aunts. Meg in Atlanta is like one of the best Jamaican cooks in the whole world, and she wouldn't when she lived in Connecticut. She showed me how to make all the Jamaican food. I learned how to make, but I wanted to get out, of, get a little bit away from that and make some other things and experiment. And people, I started doing Sunday dinners when I was in grad school, just inviting people over, and they didn't know I was experimenting with them. Right, I would just make this stuff and act like I knew what I was doing. And then people started believing it. Once you it. start
0: singing and cooking, people <laughs> believe
1: you're right. Yeah, and you're like, it just came to you. But I, I think just like any type of art, I think culinary arts is an art, and some people are gifted with it. So, like, you know, my brother, is, he's a wonderful artist. He paints, and he, he does really well with art. And he never, before he even went to school to study for it, he was already selling paintings and, and the likes. And so with me, it's just food. I can literally see people make stuff, and then I just know how to make it. Or if I eat something, I can tell you the spices and stuff that's inside of it and what they use. So it's just something that comes to me. So I like to take people on those travels and let people know that it's not that difficult to make some of this stuff. That's why I do step by step by step so that people can see. Um, and I have fun with it. And I have gotten like I get lots of responses back when, when I put it up.
0: I do follow you, and I, I find it interesting because... I probably never cook those things. And I love <laughs> to see not things hard. I don't that I'll never do. Control. Like, I love to see people jump off the cliff in the grill, because i would never do that. Well, I, I, saw I, you doing it. I saw you do well, it. I'm like, hole.
1: Yeah, yeah. kudos
0: to you, but I would never jump off a perfectly good surface into anything. I'll walk.
1: <laughs> but everybody has their exploring <laughs> side. So you, yeah,
0: I like to on other you things. <laughs> that's solid.
1: <laughs> what are you reading? Right now oh, that's an interesting story. So literally every time I travel when I get on an airplane, I try to pick up a book, right? And and I want to read from that book. And this this one book that I um I, I am reading right now, it's called uh shoot The Closet, I think it is.
0: By who?
1: Um one second, you asked me the question. I have to have all this <laughs> together, right? Um let's see. I think I've I think I highlighted it here. Uh, oh my god. I am bad, so let's skip that question and come back to What's the your favorite
0: book? Meanwhile you find the name of the book. What's your favorite book?
1: Favorite, one of my favorites is The Farming of the Bones. It's written by a Haitian author. It's about the situation that happened the, between the Haitians and Dominicans during the time of the dictatorship. You speak DR. French? Uh, I studied for 13, 12 years. So this years. book is in French? No, it's in English. Oh. Um, so I'm I, like, I think, who am I talking yeah, to, right? now? can Spanish, that, French, <laughs> English. <laughs> that, that one, that one is, it's. It's, pretty, it's a pretty good book. Farming of the Bones. And I love The Brief and Wonderful Life of Oscar Wilde that's, that's a really good one, too. By who? Um, that's Junot um, Diaz. Junot Diaz wrote that one. This is- so this book is called The Room. Um, and this book is writ- written by, I think, it's an Irish author. And it's about a situation with um, a five-year-old child that's basically in a room with his mom... And she basically she's overprotective of him, and the challenges that the person that they meet in the in, in this situation. So I literally picked this up at the airport when I was uh, going back home. Who's
0: the author? Um, Emma. The, uh, Emma. Donohue.
1: Exactly, Emma. Emma Donohue. 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 So this is definitely Irish, right? Yeah. <laughs> Donohue. Yeah. So. I've just started the first three pages, four pages of it. Um, I try to read a book at least every month or two. Um, some books, one book I... Do had... you do audiobooks? No, I like to actually flip pages. Uh,
0: audiobooks let me read like five books a week. I
1: know. I've, I've done audiobooks, but I'm like a traditionalist. I like... Because it makes you feel like you're smart when you have all these books on your, your bookshelf that people Oh, come I'll over. buy
0: the book too. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll listen to the audiobook and, and buy, buy the, the book, book oh, okay. so that my son could read or, or somebody else. But... Because I'm I'm on the go, uh-huh. unless I'm at the beach or something. I'm not really reading like this, but I I do listen to audiobooks and it's the same thing. It's, yeah, they, no, it's I agree. very enriching to listen to an author right. read in his voice because it's like I'm talking. It's like I'm talking to you now. Right, 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 right. It's, it's very personal. Maybe I should try it again. Especially people like T D. Jakes, like he has a book called In He-Motions uh-huh. Yeah, um, I heard about that one. Yeah, powerful yeah. book. And to hear him talk about his journey through masculinity and and all that. Great, great, great. And I think you should do an audiobook
1: for your... Well, first, for your let life. me finish cooking all that. So, the book is... This, my book is challenging because it's bilingual, so it was being written in Spanish and in English at the same oh. time. And then I have to... Food photography is So, really why not important. write it in one, then translate? Well, I think it's just easier to simultaneously edit. and Because I have, I'm having, I have an editor that's doing it in Spanish. At the same time, I have an editor that's mm-hmm. working on it in Jeremy, English.
0: You, Jeremiah, That's true. you are a genius. Yeah. Like, why are you writing a book in two languages?
1: Because, okay, so. It's like
0: Paulo Coelho.
1: The thing is that the majority of people that follow me on social media, the majority of people know me for cooking, mm-hmm. is because of the magazine that I write for, right? Mm-hmm. And so like to not put something in Spanish, I would miss a huge audience that uh-huh. I'm engaging with, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why most of my postings are always in both Biling, languages, yeah, yeah. because of that sheer fact. If I only did it in English, I would lose a whole lot of people that engage with me, right? Yeah, and yeah. so the book would be cool because it will be easier to market. Even in the U.S., the U.S. is becoming a bilingual country, and Spanish is like this. Oh,
0: it's becoming Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going to teach my son how to speak Mandarin. No, that would be good. Because that's where the globe is going. Like, everybody's learning Chinese. No, Mandarin so, is very, very, very English, important. English, Mandarin, Spanish. Yeah.
1: And so, like, I just think that would make sense because it makes the book more marketable anyways yeah. to do it in both languages.
0: Are you going to self-publish or do you have a
1: publisher? I've talked to a few people. Um People are telling me to just go and try to get the publisher right away and not worry publisher about.
0: Publisher gonna give you five grand. <laughs> take your money and run. If you self-publish and you go all over the world and talk to people, you make that five grand in one week.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Just sell your own book. So and then you could sell it to a publisher.
1: Yeah, so that's so what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about just getting it finished. I already have two people that, that, to do the full photography. Um, it's just a matter of, because sometimes you get writer's block and you just don't want to write anymore. No such thing. Don't believe that. Don't believe that? It's not, it's not a real It doesn't movie. exist. It's an excuse that we make yeah. to not write. Well, maybe I have a lot of excuses. When, when, you,
0: when you get that so called writer's block, just uh, write
1: something. Well, it'll I come. forced myself last night to write. Yeah, it'll come. <laughs> I came home and I was tired as can be. And I was like, no, I'm trying to make myself write at least an hour every two days. Um, mm-hmm. and, but the, thing, the good thing about it is once you get into it, because it's something that you're passionate about, then it starts of course, it starts of course. coming to you.
0: I wrote two books. I wrote one, each of them I wrote within a year, mm-hmm. a year apart. And I'm, I'm finishing up my third book now. First one I wrote, it. well, I took my whole life to write that book. But it, I, I met my father when I was 30 years old. He lives in Canada. Turmoil started happening inside of me, like... So I had to get it all out, and then when I got it out, I was like, oh, snap, I need to make Mm. this work. So I started to structure it, edit it, and just tell my own stories. It's not autobiography, it's not an autobiography, but it's just stories of how I coped through some of the most turbulent times in my life, including Mm. meeting my father at 30 years old. I could have had writer's block, because that's a lot of information so what I did was I just structured and I, I wrote and that's the best way to do it and sometimes you just talk Yeah. just talk talk use your phone talk, talk and then talk, and then transcribe
1: well thank you for that advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe I I I, I not this so it's in my mind there's two there's volume one and volume two Like so this volume one mm-hmm. is marketed at people that are not really great, great at cooking, but these are going to be simple recipes from around everywhere. Oh, you have a
0: big audience with young people there.
1: Yeah, so like, you know... (laughs) So I don't. I want somebody like that lives in North Dakota that wants to feel like they're international can get this cookbook and they can make something out of the stuff that they can find their local grocery store. They don't have to order stuff mm-hmm. on Amazon. So I'm, the recipes. Please don't here.
0: put those stuff you put on. No, <laughs> the stuff. I no, where you get those the things. one I did
1: last week? You can buy everything and it. I saw some into.
0: things that I could buy. Spaghetti but squash. They have it in, in the grocery store I don't know what is spaghetti squash. I've never seen spaghetti squash <laughs> in my life.
1: <laughs> they have it in the sushi. You can buy it. It's there.
0: I don't know where to find it I know where to find it you just gotta look for other stuff
1: and then and the thing is also I make a point so some of the stuff I'd use to be like kind of fancy like that grey salt and French grey salt no you don't have to use all that you can just use regular salt I'm just trying to show off a little bit
0: yeah exactly you use like language like I'm adding some grey salt what dude I need salt
1: (laughs) So, so yes, I agree. I put a little bit of that in there, but the which majority, is good. But the, the basis is interesting. of it, you can make and and not also another thing. I think I should say is that I always try to make sure that my dishes are healthy for the most part. Yes, and that yeah. which is
0: what I want to get at. You cook, and you seem like you cook a lot.
1: Yeah, And you eat a lot But <laughs> you are fit Because I, that's only on Sundays I eat like that. <laughs> Monday through Friday my, my chicken breast and my vegetables Which is what used just, to happen yeah. in
0: Jamaican culture Like I, I told people that back in the days We used to eat rice and peas and chicken on Sundays only Right Now rice and peas is available Every, every day, day of the week, right? No. So our diet changed yeah. and, and we didn't really realize
1: But growing up, I mean, I'm glad you said like Growing up, my grandparents had about a half acre Out there in Connecticut And my granddad, this country Jamaican guy Came to the U.S. and he's like planting You know, apple trees, pear trees Peach trees, plum trees And he had a huge, huge, huge garden In the backyard, where in the summertime We literally, I didn't even know what organic was I just knew that We just went outside in the backyard and picked everything Organic that we it. is
0: really just real Right. That's not even a real
1: thing. Exactly. Because there's no real definition of what organic is, right? So my granddad would make his own compost. He would fertilize with his own stuff. And we would literally, my grandmother would only go to the store to buy meat. And like bread in the summertime Or up until the winter Because then he would plant winter greens and he would, So we, my family, we always ate extremely, extremely healthy It was no going to fast foods were, When you ask my grandmother, can I have a McDonald's? Oh, I'll make you McDonald's And it was just like Grandma <laughs> <McDonald's>. <laughs> And my mom and dad, it was once in a blue moon They would be like, let's go out and get a piece My mom my mom literally cooked every single day Every so those day those patterns were early that. in the upbringing Eating healthy was really, really important Do you and think like- that helped your brain? Of course it does you know having healthy, like a healthy a fresh meal every morning, and like my 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 mom would wake up in the morning to make a, her breakfast for her kids before they even went out to school. It was no eating you know breakfast at school that was not going to happen. you know, and my grandmother was the same way. I lived like ten minutes from my grandparents, and so like my grandparents I would spend, I would split the week sometimes between both of them you know, in both houses. But it was, and it's funny because like in the fall time we knew we had to make apple butter, we had to make apple cider because the apples were ready that time. In the summertime you do all the peaches and you, knew, you know, you have the pears and stuff like that. It was, it, it was, it was very seasonal. We cooked very seasonal and very fresh. And so my, my grandparents grew all the herbs. My grandma had the Jamaican black men and he had, you know thyme and oregano and all that stuff and grandma would be like just go in the backyard and pick out the stuff and use it for cooking and so i got so used to doing that that even in my house my father was like i'm not the country man like and so he basically cut a fixed up an area in our house where i planted the garden for my mom and dad and i planted the stuff and in, in our house and i took care of the garden at our house
0: did you play sports
1: i did i used to play well so my dad wanted me to do track because my dad did track and I now not want to do track. I wanted to do football. I did it for a bit and my dad was like, no, you need to focus on school. <laughs> <laughs> and stop. Stop playing sports. So I, I never got the chance to fully, you know, You kill out. your dreams. Yeah, you gotta kill my dreams. Yeah. F-
0: was it football? Or American football. Oh, that's egg and ball. That's not that, like right, the real... Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Football is what's happening now. No. Uh, uh, soccer uh, is real football. Uh,
1: that's soccer. <laughs> you soccer. Exactly. You said it very clear. So- soccer. <laughs> Yeah, I played football. It was soccer. It was what the other people played. Nah,
0: nah I'm happy you chose um, the, the journey you chose because traveling the world, you have a unique experience that my audience will hear now. Um, and I think it informs how you... View the
1: world Oh it does It helps you It helps you In reference to your Viewpoints on religion It helps you in your Viewpoints on how to Interact with people I mean It Just being around And learning how people Think and how it's so Different from what you think But then the weird thing Is that there's so many Commonalities no matter Where you go in the Whole entire world There are things that uh, It's part of the human Archetype that everyone Deals with and everyone Experiences It's true It's true
0: Struggles are common Yeah Um, We all want food Right Uh, Right We all want to sleep Right We all want to live well and we all want to love each other. Like Those are common things I find with everybody. Uh, my last question, well maybe second to last question. Um, who's the most important person in your life?
1: Oh, you just on purpose. You just <laughs> <died> on
0: purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course,
1: my oh, grandmother is like probably the most important person. Like, and it's and it's a weird. I, I explain to everyone. It's a really weird situation. It's not. This is not the norm. Like grandson, grandmother type of thing. We have such a close, not just we have a friendship, a relationship that's extremely. I mean, from it literally came from. When I, I remember when we became close. Because I'm the youngest of all my grandmother's grandkids. And my grandmother, for grandkids-wise, has about 15 grandkids, about 20 some my great-grands, about 17 great-greats, and, and, like, two great-great-greats. So, like, I'm the youngest of the grandkids. And, you know, it was weird. It's like, you know, I remember one year, i would never forget, she wanted me to go down of her nephews died to New Jersey, Newark. She's like, so my father, take a train. I want him to take the train with me, and you guys meet me down there. And when I did that... And then from then on, I just stayed at her house the whole entire summer. And after that, it was history. Because like we, were, we were always close to our grandmother, all of us. But then I became really close. And she got sick one year when I was in high school. And I just literally stayed there the whole year. Trying to help take care of her. And, like, we, are, we were friends. We're super, I could tell her everything. She, and, she, and, I, and she was being my pastor. You would feel as though, you know, you couldn't talk. No, we talked about everything. And she never judged you. And, you know, she was like, she's like my biggest champion. And same thing with me. Because so she's proud of you. Yeah. I, <coughs> yeah. And I'm proud of her. She's, she's a lot. How <laughs> old is she? 102. Oh,
0: my God. And so you have a like lot uh, of wisdom.
1: Yeah. Like she
0: was around. When was she born? Oh, she was 19, born in
1: 1916. Yeah. She was born, like, during the time that she was born, actually, she grew up with the last slave in her family. Her great-grandmother was 110 when she died, and my grandmother actually lived with her, and, and, and she accounted to her how she was sold away from her, her parents when she was seven, and she never saw her parents again. My grandma, you talk to a slave, but what, what, what is this? So she has a lot of history, you know, she went through the Great Depression, and she went through both World War Wars, I mean... She was
0: how, does that, how does that um history of you and your grandmother and that story impact how you see life now in terms of racial disparities and how you maneuver different it's amazing because yes, like cause that was real hardship right and she um, went through. she went through. what we're going through now i mean it's hard but some for some people, but it 's not slavery, so how do you see the world now
1: yeah I mean like her mother literally had to uh fight off the Ku Klux Klan from trying to take their land. Like, you know, my great grandmother had a gun and was, like, threatening to kill them if they tried to take our land. And, like, my grandmother went through the situations where she was on the highways. She couldn't even stay at hotels. She had to go and stay at a black family's home. And the thing about that is the sheer fact that Two her, for her very best, closest friends are Jewish doctors and shows. And I, you're amazed. Like, if this woman could have this type of relationship yeah. with uh, Jewish doctors and had to go through all the situations when it came to racial tension, and it makes you a little bit more open. It makes me feel as though, you know, I need to be a little bit more understanding, too. So I, I'm proud of her. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because a lot of people that go through those situations wouldn't have that particular viewpoint and no but she was very 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 and and also being a woman back in like i said like my grandmother was the very first one of the very first female pastors in my city having a woman religion and and pastoring she went through a lot being you know and it helps me have a lot of respect for women in leadership which uh, a lot of guys don't necessarily accept or take
0: yeah. jeremy jeremiah Thank you. This is awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. No, I know you're a busy man.
1: No, uh, you're a busy man. You're probably going to more than I am. <laughs> <And> <laughs> now, I'm not traveling yeah. the world. Oh, please. I want to go to, I've been to two,
0: probably three continents. Oh, only three I'm continents. Chi- I'm trying to go to <laughs> only three Antarctica. Three. <laughs> <laughs> But this is awesome, Jeremy. Um, Tell them where to find you on social media to
1: see your cooking. That's at Jerry, J-E-R-Y underscore J-A-K. At Jerry Jack. All righty.
0: That's at Jerry Jack. Jeremiah Knight from the U.S. Embassy, Jamaica. Big up.